Welcome to the jungle, ladies and gentlemen. We got fun and games as we dissect the Jungle Book, the 2016 version. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We talk movies, and today we're talking about the Jungle Book, John Favreau's new movie. Uh, very, very exciting. We've got quite the panel here today. Everyone gathered around to talk about this this story here. We got Dimitri Panos back from vacation. Back from vacation. That was no vacation. <laughs> that was called CinemaCon, and that was no vacation. That was a different type of jungle. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yes, it was. <laughs> uh, he is a VP of Exhibitor Relations, and that's what he was off doing. So was Meeting with a lot of exhibitors. That's right. So he'll be bring in that perspective. Uh, Sarah Stretton returns. Hello. With different hair. <laughs> Have I been gone? I don't feel bit. like I've been gone. Yeah, to me. I feel like I was here like last week. Anyway, she's got the jungly hair, so she's here ready to talk about it. We have Marissa Serafini, content producer of the network. Welcome, Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Yes. And she's got the Say. Jungle Book, the official collector's edition guide. Book. I do. I, it was staring at me at a Target, and I had to get it. The Jungle mm. Book. Um, it is filled with a lot of like photos of concept art, paintings, drawings of the original animated in 1967, and the new one. There's a lot of good information in here. Well, I there had you to. go. So we're definitely going to talk what did, about that. What did Disney get for that? I I'm don't know. Curious. They got ten dollars from ten me. Bucks. So ten bucks. There you go. <laughs> there you and go. joining us for the first time on Anatomy of a Movie, we have Becca. Hi. Introduce yourself to everybody. I'm Becca Brown. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Becca B Talks TV. And uh, she she uh, she primarily stays behind the scenes, primarily yep. over at AfterBuzz. Um, she does a lot of the social media, but Jungle Book is one of her favorite movies, and so we couldn't deny her the right to talk about it. Thank you. Uh, let's start with overall impressions. Uh, let's start over at this side of the table, Dimitri. You know, uh, going into this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of the animated movie, and I thought they really had uh, uh, t- taken a, a really going live action with, with an animated movie making animals talk you know i was like geez i wonder if they're biting off more than they can chew but with today's technology and, and once this movie was done it's a fully realized remake of this animated disney classic that i think they actually improved upon i actually think that they made they they, they made pretty much a better movie from from a narrative standpoint uh and you know, the ending to be specific, uh, and we'll get into the ending a little bit later. I thought the voice talent was amazing, uh, and and this little kid who plays Mogwai was fantastic. I guess my one little nitpick is, you know, I love Christopher Walken, but he ain't no Louis Prima. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I so that was my only, like, little nitpick on that, but everything else, this movie really clicks, and I think it's a really solid movie that I hope that we don't forget come Oscar time. Uh, towards the yeah. end of the year. Unfortunately, just like Cinderella, I think it'll be slightly forgotten, which is a damn shame because it was an equally great movie. Yes. Yeah. But Sarah Stren, go ahead. Um, to go off of what Demetri said, I think we're a little bit on the same page. Um, I thought the You're vis- even reading the same book. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Um, visually, I thought this movie was just astounding. Um, I was one of the naysayers when the first trailer came out. I was really worried about how I was going to receive the the, the talking of the animals, and I thought that they pulled that off flawlessly. It didn't make it felt 
very natural and grounded and, and believable. Loved how it looked. I liked the adjustment and kind of how the, sh- the themes shifted from this version compared to the animated version or other versions of the Jungle Book that I've seen. Um, my nitpicks are also similarly was not a huge fan of the King Louis sequence. We can get into that. And a little bit concerned if it's too frightening for kids. Um, I know that I personally jumped out of my seat at certain points, and I was like, this is getting scary. Um, But overall, I really did think that they handled this movie in a beautiful way. Um, I went out on a limb, saw it in 3D, thought it just looked breathtaking, Um, and I'm excited to hear what you all have to say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did too. I saw it in 3D as well, and just before you arrived, we were talking about brought up, I couldn't believe that this was a PG movie, yeah. to be honest. But we'll talk about, yeah. we could talk about ratings and, and such after. But, uh, yeah, we should we should bring up the 3D. I mean, I saw it in 3D, you saw it in 3D. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about, yeah, when we get to the animation, yeah. we'll spend yeah. a good bit. Go ahead, Marissa. Um, I saw it in 2D. I, I really enjoyed this film because uh, I watching it as an adult for this film, I thought it, there were some very intense moments for kids. Because uh, being an adult, I was like, well, kids are watching this right next to me. How are they handling it? Um, because I was like, what? Um, I, w- I really did enjoy this film because I felt there was some more backstory to some of the characters that we probably didn't see in the animated film if you didn't read the story that was based off of. Um, I liked that, and I liked how the even the, the animals, how he interacted with Mowgli, I felt there were more humanistic characteristics to it which I enjoyed and for story development for character development I liked that and um, visually I thought it looked beautiful for an animated that's a humongous feat that they did and I think they pulled it off really well Um, and I some musical elements I I appreciated and it it wasn't a musical but I liked how the music and we'll get into that because how that really um you know, helped with this film. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, I really did enjoy this film. I got excited at the D23 Expo because that's where I probably first saw actual content of this film. That really helped get me excited just as an audience member to go see this film. Excellent. And go ahead, Becca. Uh, Well, it was honestly visually stunning. And And you've seen it twice at this point? uh, I've seen it once um, in 2D. And... I mean, going in, I was, like, when I saw the trailers, I wasn't sure about, like, if I was going to be able to take the voices seriously, coming out of the animals and stuff like that. But um, overall, I did it, and I didn't. Well, you and Sarah share the same fear that uh, originally John Favreau did, so you guys are in the same boat. Maybe that's why I got addressed so strongly. Just it was a very minimalistic movement of the animal's mouth. I feel like that's what really sunk it in for me. There was none of this wide expressions, grinning. It was all in. If you muted it, 
if you muted it, it would look like very natural animal lip movements yeah. versus trying to make animals look like they are talking. Well, yeah, and I think, well, we didn't hear your opinion before I... Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to, I'll sum it up. I love that you guys, I'll echo everything that you guys have said overall. Um, and w- one of the things that I do like, I trusted it because w- what I liked about Cinderella was that they took the story and rather than embellish it in any sort of yeah. way, they just told it and they told it beautifully. So I hope that they did it with this one, and when they did, I was like, okay, great, this is fantastic, yeah. and I like what they're doing with these live action movies. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, going to the the, the animals talking, it yeah. was it was a huge, it was a huge concern for John Favreau. How am I going to do this, and how am I going to have him interact with the kid? And and I love that he actually took his inspiration from the 1967 animated movie, in which you know they they used. Well, movie magic, movie trickery, because in the animated movie, there were times where uh, the, the animals back, the animals back maybe towards the audience or the way in which it's filmed where they didn't have to animate mouths moving. And he did the same thing here. And I never really thought about it because but there were certain ways in which the animals are filmed, especially the wolves, where the camera was above the nose. So, you, yeah. You didn't really have to see the mouth moving. They were just talking, uh, expression, and you got it. And I'm like, well, that was genius. I go, I thought that was great camera movie trickery to get us to believe mm-hmm. that animals are talking. And it wasn't done in a babe way, which I love babe. <laughs> don't, you know, don't get me wrong. And they and they didn't do it necessarily with with puppets, although he used puppets on set to interact, but. I just thought it was it was flawless, and he and he also made sure to not have the animals do something that they wouldn't normally do mm-hmm. as well. He embellished the animals. He might have made them look a little bit bigger to make you know Mowgli seem smaller, or, or just build a character. But I, I just love the respect for the animals. And how they were well. The good. I mean, Peta has created. signed off on this movie. Well, of course, two thousand <laughs> times over. There were no animals harmed because there were no there animals. Were no. <laughs> so, so. What are they gonna say? <laughs> Protect the CGI. <laughs> you how you could know. you? No, but what they are saying is that you know you can make a beautiful movie without having to do any harm to animals. You know, and so that so. Right. But anyway. Yeah, you just, you know, throw a couple extra million in there and yeah. you'll be fine. Uh, yeah. You know. Just have money. Um, but let's talk Let's talk about the development of this because it, it, it kind of comes full circle in a way because it started with Warner Brothers and Disney pretty much simultaneously announcing the Jungle Book. And then, uh, lo and behold, Warner Brothers was kind of winning the race a little bit. But uh-huh. it's, it's, uh, it, it's these guys, Disney, who got to the finish line first. Can and we not- say that Warner Brothers has now lost... The race? Yeah. Yeah, I would say... In, yeah. A little well, bit. But, yeah. I mean, we're, again, Warner Brothers, I mean, they're in an act of desperation at this point. <laughs> they Seriously, I mean, they've just hired Alfonso Cuaron to come on board to help Andy Serkis, who was the original, uh, you know, director of this film. And that can't give Serkis much confidence as, as his, like, this, is good, this was supposed to yeah. be his calling card in directing a big type of an action movie and you know at that point it's but Hollywood does this all the time whether it's two volcano movies or what and and this is a movie there were two Jungle Book movies and Disney beats them to the punch like big time and I'm sure they're awaiting to see what the reviews you know above and beyond is this a good movie and the reviews have been stellar and now Warner Brothers is like well I think they're just too too far in where they just can't say 
let's cut it. Because I think they just got too much money dumped into it already where they just yeah. have to keep on going forward. It's going to be tough. Spot. They're and in they, a really and, hard spot. And then with the talent they have behind it, I mean, I'm a huge Andy Serkis fan, and I just feel bad. I just feel <laughs> bad for that to be in that position because you're going up. I mean, Warren Brothers was a giant, but Disney is huge and has the media power to keep pushing this movie, to keep it alive, to put it in parks. It's not something that Disney movies don't come out and you forget about them three months later. They make them last through yeah. products, through rides, through well, all also, these yeah. sequels. Yeah, well, also, like, I mean, this is the third um, Jungle Book. Like, I mean, there, there's all there's sequels to the Jungle Book. So, but discounting those, um, the, obviously the '67 version, the 1994 version, which none of you apparently have seen. So I've seen it. It's good, right? I love it. I saw half of it. <laughs> that is, you know, that is the testament of how good that movie is to see half of it. Um, no, I saw. I've seen it. Um, I was just like kind of obsessed with like these worlds as a kid. I was a 90s kid, so I saw oh, yeah. everything right. that was yeah. in the family realm that came out. So, Fair yeah. So, I, I, I like the fact that Disney is the one that released this film because if yeah. it was Warner Brothers, I felt it would have maybe taken away the family aspect to it. It would have made it more adult, adult kind of situations. You I, know? Could, I yeah. might argue that Disney did that, though. I mean, yeah, Disney but, did, but like Disney can help keep it catered to the to the child, to the younger demographic, to the older demographic as well. Because Disney does so well bringing so many people to watch this film. I just, and I feel like WB, had had WB taken over, it would have just catered to a certain well, area. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. But I, I just like the history, right? It just fits in the Disney history, right? Sarah said they have a way of keeping it going. Well, they've already always had it. Yeah. 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 And uh, it was just, I mean, it was just released too as like a... Uh, like a diamond edition Blu-ray about a year or so ago. Um, so, and, and that, I think, is what comes to mind. I, and I'm trying to figure out what the hell Warner Brothers may have been thinking in the first place to even, you know, say, you know, and I think I think they were trying to get the jump on because of Cinderella. They go, well, what other live action thing, that's, 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 what can we do as a live action that may have been animated once? And they go, oh, the Jungle Book. And then Disney's like, well, we're doing the Jungle Book. And then it became like, who's going to beat who to the punch? But it's hard to beat Disney at their own game. And their own yeah. game, mm-hmm. like this is a movie that was already beloved as an animated classic that has been seen by generations and generations. So when you think Jungle Book, you really... The sad thing is you're not really thinking of the original author, Rudyard Kipling. Mm-hmm. You are thinking Disney. of Disney's Jungle Book. So Warner Brothers going into this, I mean, I just would have, like, that executive's idea, just, they should have said, let's just stay away from this. Well, also, uh, with Disney, you have Pixar. And so Pixar sure. was heavily instrumental in the development of the story and things like that. Not, Huge. You know? Yeah, and, and again, John, you, you're absolutely right. John Favreau wanted to make sure that story-wise they, 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 they had like a strength in narrative. And, and he went to Pixar because he knows how they take narrative so seriously. And he wanted that for, for Jungle Book. And I mean, again, when you're part of that family and you're able to use those resources, to me, that's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the mere fact that Favreau was not secretive about it. Like he said, yeah, I needed... I wanted to make this a great movie, and this was literally this 
this corporation's collaborative effort to get Jungle Book out, but make it good, you know? Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. um, now, one of the things I found interesting was there, there's been comparisons to, like, they pulled from Goodfellas, Apocalypse Now, um, Shane, and all these kind of various movies, and I thought that was an interesting comparison, which now, having seen it, I understand but it's not something that I would have recognized initially, and, and, and if you had told me without seeing it, I'd be like, how? Why? <laughs> um, so I just kind of wanted to get your perspective on, on, on those elements and how they fit into them. Because I wasn't looking for them, those references, I didn't see them as much. I was more drawn into this movie, um, at least when it came to more like Easter egg things, at seeing right. what they pulled from... The animated version, and like to recognize the kind of like frame moments that they took from that movie. So that was what I was registering yeah. as I was watching it, being like, I remember when when Mowgli flips like that through the this. monkeys. Like I remember that moment from the right. animated. Like I could see it. So I yeah. wasn't really searching my brain for all of the outside the box references. Mm-hmm. Coming out of the movie and hearing that, I think that when you do draw from things that inspire you that maybe aren't automatic references, that helps. Because there are reasons those movies were successful. They can be inspiring. It can be why you'd want to watch this movie again. But I was so entertained enough and I was so drawn in by the smaller Easter eggs, <laughs> Disney Easter eggs, that I wasn't like craving looking for any other parallels if that mm-hmm. makes sense like it was so suspenseful in itself but now i mean now that you know like again mm-hmm. king louis entrance is mm-hmm. marlon brando's entrance oh. in apocalypse now i mean it all makes sense i, I would have never i wasn't again i'm so into the movie and i was i was like you as well i, I was looking for the disney-esque well, like, type of like what nods are they going to do um you know to the movie but you know when you look at the rules in a dangerous world from Goodfellas, which was, you know, you think about it, it's all there. But the the King Louis, I mean, and the fact that I loved how they changed him from the orangutan to this mythical, he could have been the last of his kind type of a gorilla who, you know, he's he has his, his kingdom, so to speak. And I loved what they did with that character and even how that character was voiced. I didn't have a problem with Christopher Walken's voicing the character. It was his singing that sort yeah, of kind of took singing, me down. His singing sort of ruined. But I love the, like, now when you think about it, he's totally Marlon Brando's character in Apocalypse Now. So let me ask you guys this. So let's, let's spend a little time on story, right? Because um, I thought the combination of the various things created amazing stuff. And for me, the two that I enjoyed the most in terms of symbolism and story elements was, number one, uh, Mowgli in terms of his trickery like you can't do that that's not what what a wolf does yeah. and mm-hmm. it wasn't until he he kind of becomes his own person and, and accepts that he is a man child um, that things go well for him and the other thing I love Shere Khan's uh, speaking about you know what a cuckoo bird does and they lay the egg but- with the other mother you know I thought that was a great additional part of the story this is the second cuckoo bird reference we've had within six months of each other the first Cuckoo Bird reference came from Spectre, James Bond. Um, where he, and it was almost Same like thing. word for word. And it, comes, and it comes from a play <laughs> right. called Two Rooms when there's a huge monologue in it like that's been around for ages. Like It's constantly pulled out in theater and film, This the Cuckoo Bird reference. like It's been around for a the long time. The Village of the Damned is what... Yeah, but mm-hmm. it was just like... It was weird to hear almost 
the same exact speech. It's like, oh, I just heard this from from Spectre, mm -hmm. no. uh, another Cuckoo Bird reference. But the way in which Idris Alba is vo voicing for Shere Khan and he tells of that story, too, was, you know, again, very intense. And it came in an intense scene mm -hmm. in that movie as well. Yeah, yeah it, but, it, I agree. The story made him very scary. Yeah. I think also just the storyline of, you know, the flower. And I, I and the red flower. I think I liked how they expanded upon that to give Shere Khan a better story and a better reason, mm -hmm. motivation yeah. why he's after Mowgli so yeah. much. Whereas the animated, you, you just got a little bit of it, but like this actually gave him a reason why he dis like disliked Mowgli yeah. so much. Yeah. Becca, what was uh, some of your favorite elements? Um, I don't know. I mean. I liked I, the red uh, flower thing was like I don't know that's one of the moments I didn't take as seriously. Hmm. Why not? I don't know. I because to me kind I kind of laughed one of the reasons part when it was introduced. It was what you laughed. She laughed yeah. when well, it was introduced. What caused laughter? No, well, by King Louis. Got it. Yeah. So, so the means in which by it was introduced, it was it was a little too comedic to be taken seriously, yeah. especially when that is kind of the the crux of it, and, and you know, almost the central message of the movie was that you know, man has destroyed yeah. animals, right? Especially as we talk about on Earth Day. I think. <laughs> see, I didn't laugh at all. I took it as a very serious thing because King Louis wanted it so much for power to be literally the king of the jungle now, and then Shere Khan was like, hey, this is something that destroys it, and this is what mankind can use and destroy. And that, and so, like, I saw it two different things, that it was something so powerful that is not to be messed with. Yeah. I, I just couldn't take it seriously with, like, the singing mm. part. After, yeah, mm. during that. And, and again, like, all through our, you know, history of caveman, like, scientists, anthropologists, all these people go back to the invention of fire and the wheel. The invention of fire and the wheel is what really changed things along. Like, you know, cavemen developed weapons. They, you know, they, they, they made a spear. And then, but when they invented and came up with fire, like that, that was a game changer. Yeah. They can use it as a weapon and as, you know, all that they can do. And in this movie, I, I love the dichotomy of, one can use it as look, well. There were three. There were three issues of how fire can be used. That's exactly what there, I was There, there say. was how? fire mm -hmm. is for warmth. Fire can be people to to. It's, it's a socialization for men. You know, everybody can mm -hmm. gets goes around the campfire. King Louis saw it as as a means of power. If yeah, I have power. fire, mm -hmm. I have power. I can do that. Where Shere Khan saw it as is a major threat to his environment. And in, in that environment was man has control over fire yeah. and they can wipe out our environment and our way of living. Mm -hmm. And I just, the, the, the three aspects were really like That's exactly what I was going to say is I have two favorite story elements. One is the multi-use of fire. The fact that not only is it 
visually engaging throughout the whole film in different ways, like utilizing very different film aspects from the giant bonfire you see to the torch yeah. to the danger zone. But it is utilized for almost every character in a different way. Mm-hmm. For Mowgli, it's his... They talk about it be, that his his signature to become a man. It's the relationship between the forest and the village. It's all through the red fire. It's all their relationship. The fear, the power. It's just constantly used and transformed by who mm-hmm. whatever whatever characters are then talking about it. And that's like a really strong device. It's central, it's connected to everyone, but it's utilized differently. And then the second element that I really thought that was added to this story, and it's kind of like what Marissa said, is for me, the laws of the jungle, the clear explanation, all the detail of the world that they've created with the I really enjoyed like mm-hmm. the peace rock. Not mm-hmm. only was it an interesting concept, but it made sense why these animals weren't eating each other. Like it added like this interesting oh. world, like hierarchy, the whole elephants and their role as this almost like not someone that they were worshipped. The right. the royalty. Jungle, like, yes. They were royalty. Yeah. All of those l- story elements for the hierarchy, the laws, the rules, how the jungle functioned was, I thought, so much fun and so interesting. We weren't just seeing animals being cut over the throat or just being about who could yeah. have the claws. It was yeah. more than that. And yeah. and going, yeah. And, well, go ahead, Nevis. Oh, sorry. I, was like, no. I, I liked no. how that um, each animal, there was a level of certain respect for them. Because you got to remember, you know, like the story in India, like elephants are worshipped yeah, in elephants. India. And I liked how they portrayed the elephants in a better, more positive light because there was, you had to bow for these. And in the film, I mean, if you're, we're gonna keep referencing the animated film, but like the in the yeah. animated film, they, they were animals to be laughed at. They you couldn't yeah. take them seriously. But I liked in this film, it's like you could, and they were well respected. Mm-hmm. In each in 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 each case of animal, whether it's like the wolf, like the wolves had their like independent of when the peace rock becomes mm-hmm. visible, like when all is well and fine in the jungle, then it's just the circle of life. Let me. Reference another Disney movie. So, you know, yeah, it's the circle of life. Things go as they are. But the wolves had their own rules. And you can tell that the tigers had their their laws. But once, you know, there's peril coming on, there were were laws that governed the entire ecosystem so that that ecosystem with its animals and it can survive. So there was automatic truce. And let's come up to the, this is some water we can all drink. And, you know, we have to stay alive and, in a sense, work together. Um, and Shere Khan comes in and, like, pretty much threatens all that, which, again, made that character so intense because he was, he was so steadfast to his own rules mm-hmm. that, you know, he didn't feel that he had to abide by a wolf mm-hmm. or, or whatnot. So it's yeah. very fascinating even, social Yeah, I even like with the, the peace rock that there was a kind of like a timetable with that, too, because they said <clears> when the rain comes and this goes away, all the rules are out the window. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I now have the right to go after you. So, like, I even like that. It was that plot device to move the story along. Right. Let's talk about Shere Khan, Idris Elba, because one of the, I, what his I like, voice. his voice is fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. Very, um, so good. What, what I like about him was, as you guys were kind of talking about it, one of the interesting parts for me is like he's he's always been the um, in these jungle book stories to me like he's been the the king of the jungle, 
But in this movie, they they make him very much a self-proclaimed king, um, not by anyone's will or choice whatsoever. Um, and I, I kind of like that, again, going a little bit deeper with that aspect of it. Right. Um, which I thought was great. Completely agree. Both him and King Louis are just like, they've declared themselves, <laughs> but it isn't actually the way. Yeah. Like, if anything, the elephants. And, you know, and, and, to me, the difference between King Louis and Shere Khan, I mean, King Louis sort of kind of stays in the shadows. Mm-hmm. He has his own little thing. He's not mm-hmm. He's not challenging the wolves. He's not challenging that, 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 that lifestyle, that ecosystem. Shere Khan pretty much comes out and and, and, and he challenges everybody and he says, You're gonna lose. And you know, and I loved again after the research on it, yes, they made yeah. the tiger a little bit bigger than normal because he had to show the power that he had and they made a point of showing his eye. And I love how that whole mystery you know, comes it's just another plot point, but Shere Khan comes on to the thing, and it's by brute force and fear mm-hmm. that he is going to end up ruling. And that one scene in particular where he shows up, like once the peace rock. And, and again, this was another scene that I was like, when I found out this movie was PG, and he literally comes up to the top of the mountain where, um, uh, where uh, I forget the, the, the Papa Wolf. Akeel. And he just comes yeah. up to him unceremoniously, and he just like, Picks him up and tosses him off a cliff. And that happened. And I was like, (laughs) wow. (laughs) I go, can he come back from that? I'm like, oh, maybe not. I'm like... Wow, he just killed the head of that prop. Yeah, I like that. It added a very shock value to his character. Like, if he could do that to a wolf, what can he do to the other people in this film? And the wolves knew that he... The tiger is more powerful. That's you. You were saying it too. It's like we knew certain animals were more powerful, but I look at a wolf as being. I don't want to be attacked by a wolf or a tiger or a bear. But it spoke to the jungle, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, the whole notion right. of like a wolf stands with the pack. The pack yes. is only as strong as the wolf. But yes. the But the but the wolf is only as strong as the pack. And right. in that moment, there was no pack. It was. Yeah. Just, it was just him. Yeah. They yeah. lost their leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Going back to the flinging of the wolf, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, But it was just so interesting to me because we've seen in multiple Disney movies, typically animated, animals die. Whether it's Tarzan or Lion King, Mm -hmm. like there's a reference to this, but there was something so much more... and heart-wrenching and scary about this because of how real it looked. It yeah. felt effortless. That, that was that, the whole that thing of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you, it, you know what I mean? It, it almost It's the equivalent of like someone having a gun mm-hmm. and just pulling the trigger yeah. if that's how easy it is to kill somebody. Yeah, yeah it's true. Well, the thing is, it's also like for the other Disney movies where you actually do, for the most part, see someone dies, like you get a goodbye moment. It was like you, they get their last say. This one was just so fast. It was very sudden, and, it, and, it, and I think it also kind of goes along the trope of like there's always one parent that that dies. Yeah, I'm like well, oh shoot. But even add to that though, it was before that happened. <clears throat> okay, it was said. It's like look, Shere Khan. Like you really the rule. Your things don't apply anymore. Like the boy's not with us. He's out in the jungle. Yeah. Like, rules that you're, the rules that you made up, like, can't apply anymore because we pretty much did what you you asked. And he's like, no, you didn't give them to me. 
and you still had no idea. Like it happened with such brute force, yep, and it happened so fast. And he just picked them up, threw them off, and he, well, okay. And he's like, so. And he's making his point, going, "I said this was going to happen, and it's happened. Where's the boy?" Yeah. It was yeah. just sudden and unexpected. Yeah, and, and again, I was like, "This is a PG movie." <laughs> I yep. mean, I that was know. brutal, and and there were there were scenes we'll we'll talk about going towards the end. I felt were equally as as, as uh, intense, let's say, for for a PG movie. Absolutely, Becca. What are your thoughts uh, early on Shere Khan? I feel like the sound uh, made it more intense. Uh, the scene in particular where Mowgli was running from uh, Shere Khan and. Uh, figure like comes in and fights with Shere Khan. Uh, Just those loud sound and effects. Yeah. The the sound during that, I jumped out of my seat. So yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, it and they, they what I liked about it too, they played a nice dichotomy of, you know, here we are with the wolves, here we are with Mowgli right. and so you knew that they were kind of it was it was yeah. a ticking time bomb to get them together in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that so why don't we kind of re- so let, let's talk about Mowgli, right? Because I mean, the, the, he's he's our central character. We'll probably spend a lot talking about him, but um, great. you know, obviously, Dimitri mentioned that the movie ending changed, um, and I wanted to kind of get your guys' opinion because it was one of those things of like, okay, what's ultimately going to happen? Is he is it just going to end with him going because that's what he has to do, or is he going to? Me and like in the 1994 version, gonna face the tiger and beat the tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to kind of, what was your early predictions, if you remember? I didn't know how they were gonna end this movie, uh, predicting wise. I mean, for, you know, and and or what were you hoping? Well, at the end of this movie right here. Yeah, uh, like, you know, like, would, well, when you watched it, what were you like? You know, well, I, I was, hope this happens. I, well, I was hoping that it wouldn't end the way the animated movie ends. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's sort of kind of unfulfilled because throughout the entire animated movie, these are his friends and family. They, they're yeah. the ones who brought him up. And, you know, a girl comes walking around and is like, but well, many, yeah, many, a good, many a good friendships are broken I, over a girl. I, I get it, but he didn't even turn back. He, like, <laughs> Sometimes. He, like, he, he didn't even say adios. And I was like, it just sort of ends. And this one, I thought, had a well-rounded ending that not only has Mowgli grown, but I'm thinking sequel-wise, like now we're going to get a good coming-of-age story where he can end up in the man world, and how are they going to approach that? You know, I didn't. I expected him to somehow end up in the man world, but I was hoping they were going to handle it better. I'm sort of glad. I like. I loved what they did. In fact, I think it's just better that way. The, I also. I had no idea this was going to end. I wasn't really predicting a change. I thought it was going to be very similar to the animated, and what they chose to do was better. I thought that. If we were going to see a fight, it was mostly going to just be Mowgli versus Shere Khan. Mm-hmm. At one point, I was like, maybe the elephants will come in and save him. <laughs> that was a fleeting thought. <laughs> I thought that the fact that we got to see 
all of the, not all the other animals, but our central other animal the figures, Bagheera, the wolves, the uh, Baloo, kind of reattack, even though we'd already seen Bagheera attack. So we saw him attack twice, which I thought was unpredictable. But I liked that reinforcement. I liked that the elephants didn't ever come in until the end and kind of did their separate but inclusive role as royalty or whatever. I thought it was handled really well. Was I expecting it? Not at all. Um, but I liked it. I think that it was character building. I think it was theme building. And so applause to them for thinking outside the block, block and yeah. box. They really fulfilled. Block, box. They, they box, really box. fulfilled. They, well, mm. or filled out the narrative yeah. in, in a great way that wasn't a cheat. Like, whenever there was exposition, I didn't find the exposition to be, like, cheated. Like, when um, uh, Ka... You know, Marissa, I remember you and I having a a conversation about how are they going to handle the uh, boa constrictor with Scarlett Johansson, Scarlett. and I'm like, well, Jesus, I go, they have to do something because they can't have it with the <laughs> the googly eyes. It is hypnotized, but yet they used they used Scarlett Johansson's voice, which is so hypnotic so itself. And then what they did with the eyes was great, but that scene, like. It was all exposition. We got background about Mowgli, even though he couldn't put two and two together that that was him that she was talking about, Mm -hmm. so to speak. But it was a great way to put an exposition in this story that we didn't really know about his background and what happened about Shere Khan. It's filmed so so beautifully. Yeah, and it was really, in in the eyes, came into play, Mm -hmm. but they weren't weren't like the spirally eyes. (laughs) What I I liked about the voice. They weren't circus tent. (laughs) I like the back, one of the reasons I like the backstory is because it it made it even more harder to say, okay, is Shere Khan the bad guy or are human beings the bad guy? Mm -hmm. Because it was. Shere Khan who attacked the man initially yeah. and right. and then much like you, you predict anyone in the jungle if you're going after someone's child you're going to protect yourself right yeah. whether it's with the red flower or whatever right and that's what it ended up being and so um you know it, it kind of gave that more weight yeah I, agree. I really enjoyed that yeah same here and again it wasn't a cheat it wasn't just lines of dialogue to have like a character uncharacteristically say something this was like this was a story it that's well, more. absolutely, and it was a story yeah. that's throughout the entire jungle. So I was like, the like the jungle knows this. Like if a boa constrictor knows this story, everyone knows. You know, what, yeah. Yeah. What times. I liked about it was that because if you go back to the animated film, there's only like two or three scenes with Kai in that one, and but that was for like comedic purposes yeah. and interacting with all the, right. everyone else and that was for laughs this one we only she had one purpose. scene with Ka but she the, there was so mu- I got so much out of this one five minute sequence with Ka that like okay that's all we need her yeah. for mm-hmm. it was so well done yeah. it's so just great for how they portrayed someone so big yeah. <laughs> bigger in that aspect but it's yet still played a vital role for such yeah. a s- small amount of screen time yeah it's yeah, scarlett johansson's voice again too was like yeah you didn't even like need the eyes with no, the voice it was, it was yeah. just yeah. hypnotic and it's like stay with me yeah boy. and favreau wanted uh you know a woman to voice cop yeah. because it's such a male dominated cast yeah they're like hey we need another woman yeah. in this. and which i th- and scarlett just has an amazing voice i mean she hello does. Her, you know, her voice was used so well in that film. And I I think she was like the perfect sultry, textured voice for their cut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll listen to her any day. Absolutely. (laughs) I'll listen to her read a phone book. That's right. (laughs) Um, 
But one of the one of the things that really tied it together, right, um, for me was the innocence of Mowgli, because he went through this yeah. entire jungle and he was so trusting of all these all these things, you know, and that's why he ultimately ended up in the monkey. Um, Village, Monkey City, whatever you want to call it, was because he's Cold trying. To, layers. He's City. trying to share. Well, that's from the 1994 <laughs> version. See, if you'd known, if you watched it, you would have known. But uh, but he's just so trusting. He's like, here, have one. He's like, oh no, that's mine. What are you doing? And then it leads to that chase and everything else. Um, so I, I really liked it. Um, let's talk about Neil a little bit because he is this movie. And one of the things I appreciate about uh, Bill Murray was yeah. on the on the Kimmel interview. Kimmel's like, oh, you know, you're one of the stars of the movie. And he's like, no, 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 it's his movie. I'm just in it. <laughs> um, so I, I appreciate that Bill said that because without this kid, this movie would not exist. Agreed. Yeah, he was fantastic. I thought his, uh, the way he got the role was interesting. Like how he Tell us in, about it. How he was in a dance class and his, his instructor told him about the movie. The audition? audition yeah. Yeah, gave, gave him, him a, I think flyer. It was a pamphlet. Perfect. Yeah, so, it was like flying. Yeah, so thankful. He just showed up. I can be the naysayer on this one. I did was not a huge fan. Not of, a huge of, fan. You weren't. You weren't a fan of this Neil Seppi kid. No, not too much. I <gasps> I thought he was brilliant. Uh, honestly, like I just could see it. It felt forced a lot of it, and it, it's a kid like. I understand that, and I'm not saying it ruined the movie in any way for me. I, you know, I'm being so mean. It's because you know what it is. It's because I watched Room last year, and now that (laughs) kid has put the level of like child acting so high for me. Now I'm like, but he's white. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh my god! And in the room. Yeah. What? Uh, has nothing to do with telling. No, no, I'm not saying, no, no, but, but here's the thing. I, I, what I'm it, saying is I wouldn't want him to play Mowgli. Right. I'm not saying I no. would want him to play Mowgli, but it has just shown what kids are kind of capable of acting-wise. And for me, there was a lot of times that I could... It wasn't believable. He was hmm. sweet and endearing and had a lot of energy. I'm not taking those things away from him. And in certain scenes, that is what they needed. And in the innocent scenes, he really brought that. But in some of the other scenes where he was, like, whining or arguing or causing confrontation, I didn't believe it as much. Hmm. I'm not saying the movie's bad. I'm not saying that, like, oh, this kid is a horrible actor. He's a kid. But I can't tell you that I completely 100% believed him that he was a kid in the jungle doing these things. But Sorry. He also had to pay pretend for, like, for well, the majority or all of the movie. Well, the, well yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and, again, I think, I don't think the kid... You know, I don't think this Neil goes into this movie thinking this entire movie is on his shoulders. Yeah. But the entire movie is on it's, his shoulders. Like, it, it, it's almost like, you know, you, you feel bad for the, um, I forget his name right now, but you feel bad for the kid that played the the, the, the young Anakin Skywalker, mm-hmm. you know, in episode one. Mm-hmm. You know. Jake, Jake Lloyd. Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And and that movie, in a sense, it, it relies on the believability and Lucas just couldn't get this performance. Like I, I find it hard to pick on a kid. I yeah. and in that case, I blame a director for not getting out of it. But I think Favreau with this Neil kid got knowing that he's the only live person on this set, and what Favreau had to do 
in order to get this kid engaged and make him and happy and look fear and sing with Baloo and do all this stuff. I think, like, if you didn't believe this kid, then you'd have major problems. Like, all narrative would have been washed away. You wouldn't have cared as much because you're, like, going, this kid sucks. Like, and you don't want to say it out loud like you did. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't say um, it was horrible. No, I, I know. Part of the time, it didn't work for me. <laughs> uh, you know, and if, if they had found somebody who didn't work you would have a hard time slogging through the movie. But for me, yeah, he captured innocence. He he, he captured the playtime well, and he was able to run through the, yeah. the, the jungle and, and do all this stuff. And he's the only human, like, with the way that this movie was filmed, he's the only actor. Like, all the, I, I think he had, you know, one of the reasons that they keep going is that he had a lot of confidence poise. And I think one of the things... He also had was energy, right? Because think of it, like, that work schedule for a kid at this age, yeah, it's tough. And you can say, oh, well, whatever, it's, you know, it's easy, it's easy work, but it's, it, it is very difficult. And he had, to do, he had to do parkour yeah. training. He had all these elements that he had to learn. Um, and it was difficult. And at times, you know, he would get tired, but they'd play his favorite song and whatever, and he'd kind of get back into it. And, yes, you have to placate to that, but the fact that he's like, okay, rather than, like, bitch and moan, he's like, okay, you know what, just play my song, I'm back yeah. in. Yeah. That's part of, unfortunately, you know, you have to think about that side of it. And so, he, you know, I take that side of being easy to work with. Okay, maybe, you know, somebody could have been better, but they would have been a nightmare to work with. Yeah, yeah. And, and, again, you got to figure how many hours of the day that they had to work with this kid. You know, he is a minor. Yeah, yeah. yeah much so. <laughs> so. Well, well, what I liked is that physically he was definitely Mowgli. Yeah. Like him yeah. running up and like the stamina that that kid had to have while filming this, like props to him. Um, I think he really had the physical appearance. I believed him running up and down, you know, the, the jungle. Uh, I liked that. Um, for the emotional aspects, maybe, and this comes to the acting because he doesn't have acting background. This is his first, you know, really his first thing. Um, I there were some moments where it didn't hit emotionally as hard as it could have, and then I think that goes with you know there we have seen some child actresses like that can just break our hearts, and his when it got to like serious moments of like you know being a human man cubs and death and what and whatnot it didn't emotionally hit as hard as it could have. Physically, it was there. Emotionally, not so much. Yeah. I think because he had given so much with everything else that was fun, I just went with it. Now, you know, and the thing is with Child's... The the major issue with child actors is, like, um, the kid from Room. um, Jacob Tremblay. Jacob Tremblay. Any child actor, whether it's uh, um, Macaulay Culkin or the kid from The Sixth Sense or uh, some... What happens is they grow up. They they yeah. grow up and they don't they're not the cute child that we knew before, and they don't act as well after they grow up because you know when you find a kid like like a Jacob Jacob Tremblay's young and, and you can believe in his innocence right now and yeah. he puts in a great role. This kid is young. They He's don't 10, 11, 12. and you know that innocence that wonderkind of it all is still within him which i think this movie really shows like well and yes maybe some of the dramatic scenes this could couldn't nail kids 12 11 yeah, years old give him that. yeah and uh, i don't know does he have a career well he, yeah he's going to be in jungle book too <laughs> but but you know it'll be interesting to see when this kid turns 18 19 20 um, if if you know he's still and- is still viable um, you know, unfortunately, sometimes these kids grow up and they're not 
they don't have that innocence anymore. They, 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 there's a little spark that, that can be lost. So yeah. I say go for it, kid. Go for it, Jacob Trumbly. Get whatever you can. You're, you're doing good work. You're in good company. I was sort of surprised they didn't go with that kid that was in um, Bad Words. Oh, yeah. He would have been great. Because that, 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 that kid was great, too. I love that kid. You know? Was he a little but, too older at this point? He might have been. He, yeah. he might have been. Yeah, I, it might have been. But I think they did a good job in yeah. casting. Out of 2,000 people, yeah. whew, that's, that's, a, that's an extensive. And, and this is the kid you have to hang your hat on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Back up. I, I liked the fact this was, like, his first acting gig because, like, that innocence was there and you could see the innocence and... I felt like because it was his first acting gig, it was there was like he felt no pressure. Really? Well, he didn't realize the yeah, pressure. Yeah, he didn't I think realize the him. pressure that was on yeah. him. And the kid's he's being young. touted around in private jets already. Yeah. he's like he's already been on a private jet to go to Martha's <laughs> to go no to Martha's Vineyard, so that Favreau can cook a brisket. And he said, yeah. "Yeah, and I'm playing football with Bill Murray." And it's like. Yeah. He just doesn't realize. No. Well, I, I, well, what I will say, I think uh, obviously him and Murray gravitated towards each other. Then you can see it in their friendship now. Yeah. Um, and John has been. So I think the, the the adults in this situation have protected him really well yes. from what the realities could have been. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I always kind of appreciate that. Yeah. They did a good job making him feel comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about Bill Murray, Baloo. One of the things I liked was that I like the characterization of all these people because it's not just, oh, here's a bear. No, this is Baloo because everyone knows Baloo yeah. of like, oh, he just wants his honey and he wants to be lame. And, you know, that's where the Bear Necessity song comes in because it's not really about all bears. It's just about Baloo. <laughs> um, and I thought Bill Murray was was fantastic for this yeah. part. Perfectly voice cast. Perfect. I mean, I just oh, want yeah. to know how they were able to like which which number did they try to call him on to get him <laughs> right. to answer the that, that went through my so, head too. I was like, how did they get him? <laughs> how did they get him? But it's amazing that they did, and he did such a great job. And again, when we talk about music numbers, that was the music number that nailed it. Like, yeah, nailed it because it because, fit his character. Yes, it absolutely. didn't make it feel like a musical. You just felt right. like it was a person just like singing a song. Like, yeah. There's nothing that prevents me from singing yeah. a song right now if I just sang wouldn't make it this a musical it, podcast. But if then Marissa starts singing and then Phil starts right. singing and then everyone, yeah. then you're turning it into yeah. a musical. And it's not it, as natural. Boy, play the bare necessities. <laughs> play the bare necessities. I was and, like and, snapping and dancing. Yeah. And, and there there are two things to what you were like what you were just saying, because Favreau didn't want to make this a musical, but he couldn't dis he couldn't shy away from the two aspects of the animated yeah. movie, which is bare mm-hmm. necessities and, and, and be like you. So doing bare necessities, the other thing that cues it up for us is the brilliance in the score of the movie, mm. because there are wisps of bare necessities when we yeah. meet Blue, but not, but it wasn't, you know. So we're sort of kind of getting primed, and if you're a fan of the '67, you're like, it's how? Fun. Okay, how's this gonna work? When's it gonna come in? Yeah. And they built it up perfectly for when we get yeah. to that. And it's used in, what, three sections from Baloo himself? Like, there's the humming, there's the whistling, then there's the full song. Like, you're building up towards it versus Be Like You is, like, all of a sudden musical number. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and the way in which Bare Necessities was filmed Mm -hmm. and the way in which, like, they were in a pool. (laughs) Like, it looked so real. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, and Favreau said, yeah, I was in a pool and we had him, like, on our on a raft and I would be splashing him with water. He'd be splashing me back. And 
you know, and that to me was that that's incredibly amazing because you would figure maybe they would take them to something or no, all done on a. Sarah, here's your cue. Oh, to start singing and dancing? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to we'll tap dance with my fingers on this table. No. <laughs> and, Bill, and Bill Murray did a great job, too. Like, oh. he could carry off the singing of that. Yeah. For me, the nostalgic feeling was definitely there during the song. Yeah. And it was, it was a big great. part of the marketing. Like, a lot yeah. of people oh, yeah. were... That was one of the things when I saw the trailer, I heard almost everyone talk about, like, was the song in it? The song was in it? Yeah. Did you hear part of the song? Like, it was a, it was it, a very big, like... I just had like heartwarming, yeah. nostalgic moment, so I understood why they really. Yeah. It was it was smart of them to keep that song in it. Yeah, and and it was smart the way they marketed it too, because in the trailers and the teasers, it all is a tease. it, it, it is a tease because he's just floating down the lazy river and he's, <laughs> and then it fades out yeah. into black and you're like, that's so cool. They yeah. played enough. Yeah, and you gotta admit that's like one of the one aspects that you want to keep from the first film. Like oh, everyone yeah. wants to see Mowgli like on on the bear's belly. <laughs> so like, and I, I liked how they used that to amp up excitement for everyone. Yeah. It's like, hey, if they had that in the film, then maybe everything that we love from the original right. film will also be in this yeah. one. By the way, going back to an earlier question, how did Bill Murray get involved? Well. He read the, I don't know, this isn't the exact answer, but at 22, he read The Jungle Book, and yeah. he was a huge fan of it, um, and so I'm sure that helped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, let's see, we've talk, we talk, kind of talked about uh, Scarlett Johansson already, so let's go to uh, Raksha. You know, another, they, they wanted to make her uh, a little bit more prominent, as Marissa mentioned, you know, they wanted more females uh, to be portrayed in this movie and even though in the original um she's in it she's not really featured at all yeah she's not really a character she's yeah. just there for a second but i like that because it also shows that even Mowgli, technically being so different from everyone he still had parental figures in his life and raksha definitely i, I felt that nurturing aspect that he so needed um just in character development and um I, I, and I'm like, Lapita's voice is just phenomenal. Yeah. It's just so soothing. And, um, and then you always felt for Raksha when she's protecting her own cubs, let alone Mowgli. And then there was that one shot, not to jump ahead, but that, that one shot when, like, uh, Mowgli's, like, saying goodbye to her. That broke my heart. Right. Like, and it, it was just a simple shot, and they're hugging each other. Like, oh, <coughs> shoot, this is an animated character that I'm feeling sorry for that they're parting ways. And I loved it. Yeah. yeah she, and she was great, too. And again, you know, she's having one of those years where this is the second time within six months she's playing an animated, you know, a CG animated character coming from The Force Awakens and now coming into this. Two completely different characters. And again, the monthly instinct of the wolf. Um, again, and I really think it sets up the pack. And, and you're right. When she was, the right choice was for Mowgli to go away and... That was the motherly bond, and you realize, too, how much, even though Mowgli's this man-child, he's as part of this pack and family more than anything, you know, and uh, even though his differences stand out, he has his brothers and sisters and his mom, um, albeit adoptive, you know, when she has to say goodbye, it's really, yeah, it was very well done, very well done, very well done in the way that it was recorded and, you know, because sometimes they couldn't get everybody in the same room. So, you know, she had to go off of listening to other recordings of other people. And you have to act off that. 
And she was at a very, she's like, yeah, it's vital to have some stuff recorded so you can hear the timbre of people's voices and the subtext, what's going on, and you respond to that. And that's pretty cool. You know, she, you know, again, props to the voice casting of this movie um, because it really worked. By the way, you know, John acted a lot, you know, for especially the early stuff. Uh, he acted against a bunch of the people and they couldn't be together in a room. And but they one of the things that they also mentioned that really worked for them. They went back in and redid a bunch of the stuff later on as the movie neared completion. Right. Which I thought, you know, I mean, that's that's great because uh, obviously things will change. And yeah. you're going to want now as you see it. You're like, oh, you know what? I could do a little bit better. Yeah. So improve upon it. Yeah, and Favreau had to do a lot of the voices when he was with the. He had to play everybody's yeah. part, running yeah. around frantically. I mean, and I guess that's the strength of Favreau, particularly in this movie, is how he was able to direct Work this kid, kid in a way to to elicit a response. And Favreau seemed to have worked tirelessly, and he had this inner kid within him that gave him this energy to do like the animal sounds and to play with the kid and to do this voice and like that to me is a, is a testament to the work that he put in to this movie and that's why I say you, you have to we can't forget about this movie come Oscar time because there was so much effort put in on, on that collaborative side to, to make to pull it all together and make it a really good movie mm-hmm. you know like so. he's patience yeah mm-hmm. absolutely you gotta have patience working with that kid Let's Probably. talk about Bagheera, because he has always Bagheera. been my favorite mm. character. And yes. when you combine Ben Kingsley and Bagheera, you know what? It, it makes a good combination. Awesome. Yeah. Obviously, he's known for Gandhi and things like that. But check out the uh, uh, the, the Beast. That's a fun Oh, yeah. Is. Beast is great. Yeah. <laughs> Beast is, he's so good. And against type in that movie, he's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely. I, th- I thought he just did wonderful as, as Bagheera. Um and and really, you know, having the weight of of this knowledge that he's, you know, he loves this kid, but he's got to get him outside of the jungle, and and also, you know, refraining information from him, such as the death of, you know, uh, the wolf pack leader, um, and forcing Blue of like, hey, he's not going to listen to me, but he'll listen to you. And I, yeah, go ahead, Becca. I think if anyone's the king of the jungle, that it's Bagheera. <laughs> I don't know. Through wisdom, I mean, through wisdom, Bagheera has that. Yeah, has that you know, has that air about him for sure. Yeah, you know, and he's not in. And as a as a as a Black Panther, he definitely has, you know, some force behind him. He can he can fight if need be. Go go ahead. You. I was going to say, well, in character archetypes, yeah, your top two characters are typically your wise man and your fool. Yeah. And so Mowgli is guided by your wise man, who is Bagheera, and your fool, who is Baloo. Mm-hmm. But when you look at, like, the pinnacle of, like, everything from what they call, like, the orphan to the hero to everything, your wise man and your fool are at the very top, yeah. which is why those are who leads him through this journey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've always loved Bagheera's character, and I think Banks Kingsley, he has such a great approach to it because he said in interviews and whatnot <clears throat> that he... The way he delivered his lines, the staccato kind of way, is like he came from a military type yeah. of mentality, and that so that discipline, that um, way of teaching Mowgli throughout the film, like you, you definitely saw that uh, get, get carried across in his delivering of the lines, and I think he just has such a strong voice and such gravitas behind it that you believe every single word. 
He's yeah. saying, you better listen to him. Yeah, and it was Bagheera who was teaching him how to be a wolf more so than the wolves in a sense. You know, when you think about it, it's like him telling him about, well, this is how you pick out a dead tree. You should have, you know, you should have zigged when you, you know, you should have zigged when you zagged, and this is why. And it was just very interesting that it's like, well, shouldn't the wolf be teaching him how to do this? But but They're busy with the puppies. Of course, but Bagheera and Ben Kingsley's regal voice and mm-hmm. the way in which he, pre- you know, he was almost um, uh, James Earl Jones-ish in a, in a way. No um, so, yeah, Bagheera was great. Again, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Any other uh, story elements before we move on to kind of the more production side of things? Uh, dying at you. Speaking no? of the wolf cubs, I really want a wolf cub. I don't know. The wolf cubs were really cute and was that. Well, get a dog, don't get a wolf cub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wolf uh, cub uh, might I, eat you when it grows up. Maybe. Uh, I, I just know. get My like a little husky a or something. And it's a half wolf. Yeah. And well, we talked to Christopher Walken, right? I we mean, did. enough? Okay. We, we've talked. Yeah. Um, we've talked. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, I want to tell you guys about uh, our good friends over at Casper Mattresses. Um, you know, sometimes you just need a good night's rest. That's what all these people needed. Just a good night's rest. You know, I the need jungle a good can, be a, can be a tough place to sleep. Sleeping in trees, man. Um, especially April. It's not only Earth Day, but it's also Stress Awareness Month. And how much, <laughs> how really? much reminding do we really <laughs> need? Is it really Stress Awareness Month in April? You, were you always aware of your stress? <laughs> oh, I'm aware of it. I just didn't realize it was a month of it. Well, you well, can now and, supposedly and get rid of it by using a Casper mattress. That's <laughs> I sleep helps. Sleep helps. And and, and uh, there was actually a great article from Huffington Post that said that by, um, I forget all the details, but um, one of the executives was talking about how sleep is important and it's underrated in America. And so sleep's hel- sleep helps reduce that um, uh, stress, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what Casper has done is really made a nice mattress, an amazing mattress. I actually have one. Jeff Graham, our scheduling coordinator, has <laughs> one. Um, he swears by it. I swear by it. It's engineered with high-tech foam for supportive comfort that guarantees a great night's sleep. Um, Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. That's, that's not to be taken lightly. That's a big yeah. accomplishment. And um, so, you know what? Uh, and by the way, one of the nice things is that they're they're much cheaper, right? So instead of going out and trying out a mattress at a store, which you're never going to really understand how good it's going to ultimately be, you get to try it out. 100 nights for free. They deliver it right to your door. It's also why they can do it for a lot cheaper. They take away your old mattress? Uh, that stress-filled mattress? They almost. take that away? They t- yeah, the, the, the bed, bed, bed bug bike. Filled mattress. Get the hey, get that out of there. I don't know what but, mattress you're sleeping on. But uh, go to Casper.com. I'm sleeping on a Casper mattress nowadays. There you go. But go to Casper.com and use the promo code AfterBuzzTV and get fifty dollars off your mattress. So you're already getting a cheaper mattress than what you normally pay. It's gonna definitely be better. Now you get fifty bucks off by using that promo code. Less AfterBuzz stress TV. right there. That's right. Right there. Less stress. I'm less. See, I feel good. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> All right, let's talk about, uh, uh, you guys want to talk some Easter eggs? There were so many Easter eggs in this movie. Which are awesome, yeah. by the way. Uh, you know, you mentioned Gotta love it. Disney yeah. for all Well, yeah, movies. and, you know, one of my favorites uh, was the opening title sequence. Mm-hmm. was yeah. amazing. Like, so we always start every Disney movie off with, with of course, the castle. 
right? And then the way that that camera pulled back, hey, the castle's in the jungle. <laughs> I was like, wow, it was just so cool. And all the throwbacks to the original animated, you know, movie. Uh, I have a, a I found a, a video link that, that it should be posted on our notes that has an awesome side-by-side comparison of the various Easter eggs and, and throwbacks to, to the movie. Um, it's really cool. But it, and again, it, it just takes it just shows the time and respect that Favreau and team put into the making of this movie. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to disrespect. You know, well, yes, they went off they went off the page a couple of times, yeah. but all in all, there's just great love for being within that Disney family. Absolutely. You know, it's great. What, what, were the, what were some of your fun Easter eggs? Uh, here's a kind of a, amid the treasures of King Louis' temple, one of them happens to be Genie's lamp from Aladdin. Awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, There's a lot of stuff in that, in the cold layers. That's eh? true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Bill Murray, who voices Baloo, as we talked about, his older brother, Brian Doyle Murray, had voiced um, Baloo in the Jungle Book, Mowgli's Story, 1998. Nice. It's a family affair. Whoa. Anybody want to just grab one from here? Uh, I liked how uh, even at the end, we were talking about throwbacks, like even at the end of the film, uh, the, we had the book end, literally yeah. like reading the book, very Disney-like. You know, right. That's how the animated films began Start. and end, um, with that the whole book opening and closing. And that was like made that. by Pixar. Yeah. Like, I like that, too. One of my favorites is Mowgli has a scar on the right side of his chest, which appears to be the letter R, and also has a scar on his left shoulder, which is a K. This is a nod to the original author, Rudyard Kipling, where the R and the K are the author's initials. One of my favorites, too, is uh, when all the animals gather for the climactic uh, confrontation uh, with Shere Khan, there is a shot of a warthog and a meat cat. <laughs> Obviously, a nod to the Lion King. There's a few <laughs> you know? nods to the yeah. Lion King, visually at least. Yeah, Becca, what's your favorite? <sighs> There's so many. Just pick one. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll think. Come back. Just grab one. Read the, the paper. What do you got? Just uh, read one. I'm I'm overwhelmed. You can't go wrong. Just pick one. <laughs> well, you're thinking one. I like I'm how. So overwhelmed. Um, King, you know, right before King Louis, Mowgli finds a cowbell in the place, in the monkey place, and proceeds to pick it up. That uh, King Louis, who's, you know, obviously played by Christopher Walken, once famously stated on a sketch on SNL Saturday Night Live, like, we need more cowbell. <laughs> I gotta have more cowbell. Have more more cowbell. cowbell. You know what makes this That's a famous sketch. <laughs> it is. So. Watch it, people. You know what make so this funny. sketch, you know what would make this movie more funny? More cowbell. Wow. That's right. <laughs> fever, only By the way, for a full cowbell. list of all these Easter eggs, just uh, we, we we include the rundown in our on our kind of description. So download it there, and you know we don't need to necessarily go. But Becca, do you have one? I I was gonna say I actually want to go. Uh, like I wish I could fast forward the movie through the movie now and just go to the, where the uh, genie's lamp is. Because right. I missed that. So well, now you can. It's, oh, yeah. it's just it, it happens. Mickey ears. Mouse ears. Yeah, yeah mouse ears. I didn't find hidden any? Mickey's. Oh, I'm I didn't sure find there are. Hidden Mickey's. Mickey's. Yeah. <gasps> but uh, I couldn't find a Mickey. You know, and and again, well, it was also released uh, coming out in 2016. It's uh, if my math is correct. Well, why why have math? Uh, it's right here in the notes. 49th anniversary. It's it's 
I mean, it's wrong, it's, you can just blame the paper. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll blame <laughs> Yes, I, I will blame the paper. Um, so, yeah, the 49th anniversary, again, this is, I'm going to throw this back to the Warner Brothers. I'm sure they may have planned for the 50th, 50th. anniversary to have this come out, oh. make it a big deal. But Warner Brothers, at the time, they were leading the race. They were getting cast, their director. And Disney said, F you. Like, we, we need to really amp this up. And, like, you know, listen, if you don't think those executives swear, swear <laughs> like, they're like, we can't have them out Disney, Disney. Disney. Like, we got to get this out. So, yeah. And look, I don't know if it's true, but it sort of makes sense why they went. 2016. They had to they had to beat them to the punch. And again, well, what happens if the got pushed back a little bit? A little bit. A little, not majorly, but a after, little bit. After knowing that Warner Brothers yeah. was going to like not That's like they pushed them. really hard and they were like, "Well, we can't <laughs> quite do that." Yeah, we need to <laughs> exactly. a little bit. You know, and and again, it's it's these are all fun things to talk about movies yeah. in theory like what if Warner Brothers had come out first? And what if the Warner Brothers movie actually turned out to be a really good movie? Like, does, then Disney missed well, out. Then <laughs> Disney's on its heels going, we, we have to, like... Yeah, because we don't know. That's the one thing we don't know is what this Warner Brothers movie... Well, and you assume that Andy Circus has such experience with motion capture that that could have been a whole point of conversation right. of marketing of everything you have someone who's basically spent half of his career in a motion capture suit <laughs> half uh, <laughs> you know but if you have him bringing that experience right. spreading around the test that's really strong publicity Absolutely. like you're learning from a master of that art sure so that has a strong component it's just like was who can get there first yeah it's who can get there I, first I think Disney no matter what, would have had more success just because of promotion techniques. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. You never know. And, and, and Warner Brothers, I've, I've praised them. I've, I've yeah. dissed them. But I've praised them for their marketing. You just you just don't know. Now they're on their heels. I think, you know, I think they were in yeah, a very big hole. Just so. a quick question in general. Do you just try to really make a good movie? Or do you just kind of just try to make a decent movie and just call it? You if know, you're okay. Warner Brothers? Yeah, and like, okay, we're just going to take the loss, but we're going to try to make some money back on I it, but we'll take over. I think they're trying to make a... a if, when you hire Alfonso like Cuaron to come in to co-direct, yeah. you're, you're really... You're, you're telling the world, well, we're, we're still going to go through. Like, now it's, now, it's, now, it's, now it's all about saving face. Yeah. And at this point, they have to do the best that they possibly can. They're probably going to end up throwing more money into it than they may have wanted to originally. I mean, they, you're already doing it if you're hiring Alfonso Cuaron to come in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if the movie ends up doing well, I, I just think they should probably change the title and call it, I don't Bare know. Necessities. <laughs> Why not? Like, I, or I was, like Jungle Book, Jungle Book Adventures. Yeah, I mean, I would. I don't know. They have a. They have a big thing ahead yeah. of them yeah. for next year. Or so, and one thing I did want. You know, we we're going to talk about special effects. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, it's really interesting because many of the people, well, at least John Landau, comes from. You know, he's a a longtime James yeah. Cameron collaborator. Mm -hmm. um, he worked on Avatar, which. If Avatar didn't exist, it would be hard for this movie to exist. And Landau worked on this movie. And I, I heard a lot of people saying to me, or not to me, but a lot in the press about this, like, you know, 
better than Avatar and, and all this and, and everything. And I'm like, well, John Landau will even attest to the, the technology has come a, a great way. I mean, and again... Well, think about it this way. The, mo- it, the, mo- the Jungle Book that we're watching, it's right. technology from a year, two years, possibly even three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just <clears throat> the nature of filmmaking. Right. And, you know, where I will always defend and where I always praise Avatar and that whole process is that they, James Cameron with his crew, gave us a world that just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything in Avatar comes from an, an, an imagination. Imagine. Pandora is... It doesn't exist. When you're making Jungle Book, jungles exist. Yeah, you know, you have, a, you have an amazing reference. But what was fantastic and they were able to do is just, just take the bare necessities, right? Take that scene alone and look at the hair on Baloo's, like, body and the way that it floats in the water. You know, I would have, I, like, it was just amazing. Like, I actually thought that there were, there had to, I was like going, there has to be scenes where they're on some semblance of a location filming this. And then I found it, they're not. Nope. <laughs> That's, that to me is, it's, it's fantastic. But you have a blueprint to go with, but they did an amazing job rendering and fully realizing our own world. Baloo took the most to render. It, yeah. Yes. He had the he most was, hair. He was amazing. We talked about hair in Zootopia. That right. was a fun conversation. You know, I mean, think about how much hair this bear has. Yeah. Oh. And again, another movie within the animal world that sets up its own hierarchy and its own ecosystem for you to believe in. Um, and yet here Disney does it again with, with, with the Jungle Book. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, what, 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 a, fan, what a year they're having. Well, I, it's real. It was. It looks real, and it's not over the top. Which I, several people pointed out, like involved in the movie. As far as when you say over the top, like, like yeah, it wasn't. It's, it's believable. It's believable, and and I'll uh, yeah. You They're take not, that step further by, yeah. you use special effects as a tool to tell your story, but you don't use it as your story. Like, and. Go ahead. No, keep going. I'm just completely <laughs> on board with what you're saying. Yeah, and, and this was today's technology. You And again, it's this collaborative effort. You hire people like Landau. You hire people like Bill Pope to be your cinematographer yeah. in which they're lighting and pre-vising. And, and, and it's just quite amazing. And you don't even look. I literally, again, if you're, if you're some kid, this kid yeah. is thinking, this was filmed in a jungle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and there wasn't a scene, there wasn't a scene that I felt looked fake. And in fact, some of the cinematography, I thought uh, the ending with the book was a little oh. fake. But well, <laughs> that was Fair more enough. of an ode yeah. to what was real but or not. There, there were sunsets, and there was the way in which the jungle would look, um, whether it was sunny or whether it was bleak or mm-hmm. you know or sense of but like you just got this and the way that it was rendered it's yeah. fantastic yeah, the uh, go ahead as an audience member like you're just enjoying the story so much you forget that it's not actually in the jungle and it's not actually like real there's not real real animals yeah because yeah. it looks, so looks real yeah sure go ahead mark donica speaking of the cinematography um one of the things that I noticed about the entire film is it takes place, it doesn't take place throughout a day, 
but each from scene to scene it goes from morning to afternoon to early afternoon to night with the final confrontation and then the ending being a, a brand new day for our entire story and, mm-hmm. and I think thematically and tonally that that just was a something that stuck out in the back of my mind mm-hmm. after the movie was over too right right on. Yeah. I agree Marissa now's the time to bust out your little $10 booklet which you can yeah. borrow from Marissa by tweeting at her at Serafini TV yeah she'll no. come to your house and she'll give it to you for one she'll day. read it to you I might scan some photos Tides of a dollar <laughs> and if she gets what I really people, liked about yes this awesome booklet um, has I a lot of concept know. art in it um, in a lot of paintings that they did for the previous um, I, I loved the color temperature oh, of the amazing. jungle and like just throughout this whole film because the the jungle is a character in and of itself honestly because there were some points where it was green and luscious and beautiful and then when you know you're with Baloo it's so sunny and bright and colorful and then when you're with Shere Khan it's dark and red there's so like so many different color temperatures to like specific location which i i think really changes with what mark was saying the the tone and emotional aspects of it i think it's just great um but the green and the yellow and i mean even you can see with our logo um like so many different hues Mm -hmm. that really like added the vibrancy of um this film yeah for copyright purposes that is not our logo it's not our logo (laughs) Is shifted. Logo. Well, you know, but, logo. but and, and I wanted to talk about too going back photography, lighting, and everything. We were talking about seeing whether you saw it in 3D or 2D. You know, Bill Pope um, shot the film in 3D and he used the Ari Alexa cameras uh, on, mm-hmm. on a Cameron Pace 3D rig. Hmm, who was that inspired mm-hmm. by? And, you know, the goal is to make this film look different. And this is according to the second unit director and DP, who is uh, Legato. Uh, you know, we didn't go for photographed on jungle locations. We didn't go for crazy beautiful skies in every shot and pristine everything. We exactly. wanted to feel like we filmed it. And I totally got the sense that they filmed it, you know, at, at sense location. And again, that director of photography and working with Bill Pope and Production design. Bill Pope is a legend. I mean, oh my god! To me, having just having worked on all three Matrixes is yeah. enough. He's also done Spider Man too, and all that. Uh, what I liked a lot, and what a lot of critics are coming out with, uh, you know, this is one of the movies to see in 3D. I think you know, there, there's movies oftentimes. Oh, it's in 3D, but it's is it really worth in 3D? This is worth in 3D. This was designed to be in 3D. This makes 3D look amazing. It really is part of the spectacle. And, and you know, it adds to that element of you're in the jungle. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and see it, if you can, to add to that layer, like a premium large format type screen, whether it's like IMAX. Yeah. The sound design you, you pointed yeah. up earlier was amazing and made me jump at certain points. Um, if you're a child, not is, so much IMAX. <laughs> well, I just think that the, again, it was it was a true folk. You're not going to get this yeah. at home. Like yeah. you know, if 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 screening room is to ever exist, this experience you will not have it at home. And if I can just bring this up, when I was at CinemaCon, Jeffrey Katzenberg came out and did a little presentation, and one thing that he said was. You applaud when you're at the movies. Yeah. Because you don't applaud when you're watching the movies at, at home. home. And it really resonated with me watching The Jungle Book. Like, that, that quote came up. 
at least three times in the Jungle Book where I applauded for it, whether it was after the bare necessities or whether it was after the huge fight scene at the end. Like, yeah, the whole audience was just applauding. These are complete strangers, but you're all in tune. And it was an amazing, wonderful movie-going experience to see. I think you always know when you're seeing the best movie when everyone applauds at the end. Sure. Because, I mean, it doesn't happen at the end of every movie. No. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Here's a quick shout-out. So uh, for those of you who are avid fans of Anatomy of a Movie, if you're not and this is your first time, I apologize. This is a bit of inside information. Roxy Stryer, who's done earlier episodes... Her grandparents saw this and called her and said, this is the best movie they've seen. Now, they are 90 years old. (laughs) So this is better than Gone with the Wind. I'm going to say, since I talked to her grandparents, I think part of that that is because they they are getting up there. And I think they liked the loud sounds because they could hear all of it. I love them. I do. I really love them. But I did talk to Papo about this movie. All right. Well, you have uh, you had another page open in uh, in the book. Were you going to show a picture? I mean, sure. But if you guys are watching on YouTube, Ooh. that's just like one of the concept arts. One of many. Yeah. Every single page is like. It's I'm awesome. telling you, it's tweet awesome. at Seraphini TV. The, the like, mudslide scene like, was pretty cool. The, the yeah. painting and just the, yeah. the the conception and how they already just before they even filmed that they had how such a planning? grand vision for like what they wanted this film mm-hmm. to look like and how big the world the jungle was going to be to yeah. Mowgli. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, and then for VFX specifically, just some quick facts from our notes, which you can obviously find links to. They created over 70 different species of animals for mm-hmm. this film. Of course, one of those was included the Gigantopithecus, yeah. which is the extinct ape played by King Louie. You also have them deciding to make different animals up to 50% bigger, 150% right. bigger to make them work or you had them studying the, the actual behavior of real animals. There was a creation of almost 1,200 VFX shots. So that's crazy, but tons and tons of work and hours in the VFX world. Yeah, and uh, the, one of the last pages that I want to definitely show off of this is um, the, there's a nice map of kind of Mowgli's adventure, right? And it just gives you the scope of everything. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that they kind of drew this out and everything. Um, and I know there's like a, a, a nitpick um, that we put on one of our trivia bits about uh, that it takes him so long to get to the man village, but then it takes him two seconds to get from the man yeah. village back yeah. to Peace Rock. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I mean, you, you see the scope of it, so I really liked it because, you know, one of the things I do appreciate, you know, uh, I don't think it should be lost that it is Earth Day. Um, and the fact that each of these, as Mark pointed out, each of these is so different and, and looks so so riveting, um, it makes it look like almost like this is an entire different world and each its own section. But yeah. that's a real life jungle, yeah. and we don't appreciate it because how you know how many of us go that deep into yeah. the woods? Absolutely. <laughs> What's don't, up, plan, don't plan on going that deep into the jungle. Oh no, <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, my my idea is of camping. 
is 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 booking a room at a hotel right next to the woods. Yeah. So that, that that's sounds like a better idea with a Casper mattress. With a Casper <laughs> mattress, I hope. There I hope go. it's a Casper mattress because there's too much stress. Wait, you mentioned nitpicks. I'm now curious about people's nitpicks because I think we talked a little bit about yeah. King Louie. Now you brought up mm. this two <laughs> seconds to get back. Does anyone else have any other ones? I have Becca, one. Becca, you had a couple that you found. Oh, I found one uh, about a boy like he doesn't climb and he when um, when Mowgli was talking to Ka mm-hmm. and boy came along and like rescued him. How did he get up in the tree? Huh, mm. interesting. interesting. One of my questions was why certain animals could talk and why certain ones couldn't, yeah. particularly as obtained to the monkeys. Mm-hmm. And was it just a choice for them not to be able to talk? Um, I thought it was a th- Spanish-English thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> or Dutch or what, you know what I mean? That's what it felt it's like to dialect. me. I, yeah, I, you know, I thought that too, but I think it was kind of good that some of the monkeys didn't because it made right. King Louis stand out more so. It like they gave him the lines. He's the more important monkey that we should be focusing on rather than his little minions. Mokey yeah. addresses it in the movie. He says, do you have a language to the little pups early yeah. on? So oh, that, yeah. that made me think, oh, yeah. well, so he doesn't know all of the languages. Right. Yeah. And if we're seeing this through Mowgli, then he doesn't understand the, the animals. So neither do we. Also, um, with how long Ka was stretched out amongst the trees, I think Baloo just jumped up and found a piece of her and pulled her down. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a great scene, too. It was amazing. <laughs> Again. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Mark. Like I said, I summarized it to English-Spanish. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Just... Simple. That makes sense. But I, I think it was more so maybe just give them, to get more importantly, have the focus work. on the gigantic. Whatever the, the Gigantopithecus. Animal. Yes, oh. thank Gigantopithecus. you. King Kong. I can't say King Kong. It. My focus was King already on, on King Louis. the gigantic monkey. Then the other monkeys. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, see if the they had, if, if at monkeys. the end of the movie they had Christopher Walken singing and dancing as Christopher Walken, the then I may have appreciated so it. They could have just moved his song to the end for, like, over the credits. Like, the Jack Ampitch. It's sort of true. true. Yeah. Singing at the end. It wouldn't have taken anything. My problem was is that because Christopher Watkins is such a distinct voice, everyone can point him out when he's singing. And I I was getting, like, a mobster kind of vibe from King Louis. And I was like, (laughs) I can't take you seriously because you're literally, like, hand flailing at me like a mobster. And I'm like, I don't know if I should... Like really be threatened by well, you. Right? In 1967, in in all fairness, you know when you when you hire the lip Louis Prima, you know they knew what they were getting with Louis Prima, and he totally makes that song his own. And Louis Prima is one of the greatest. I don't want to call him necessarily a crooner, but he's definitely a horn player. And he, you know uh, him and Neely uh, Neely Smith, I believe her name is. I mean, they were fantastic, and he had an already iconic voice in the '60s, um, yeah. as far as that jazz kind of, which this song is jazz. Oh, and sure. and you know, you know, Christopher Walken just doesn't, you know, he doesn't have those chops. Um, again, his voicing was great, though. He was menacing, like, oh. and I found him to be more menacing than uh, King Louis in the animated movie. And he's supposed to, like, cause yeah. it's a weird thing. When you hire Louis Primer, you're not thinking that this character is going to be a quote-unquote bad guy. But he 
Christopher Walken, the way he plays him, you're right. He's very, like, mafioso. Oh, like. yeah, I agree I agree with the menacing <clears throat> in this film because it's even the way they introduced him, he was in yeah. the shadows, and it took a so, good minute for him to actually right. reveal, like, how big he is, how scary and physically uh, yeah. great, grand he is. Yeah. So, like, yeah, th- even that visual effect or showing, like, just how... Not ambiguous, but like just darker character he yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely menacing. Yeah. The the thing that upset me about the scene was during the song I was trying to sing along, and then like some of the lyrics were different than the original. The cadence the is different. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. you know, for sure. So it's gonna um, force you to see it again and learn it. Did we? Yeah, I have to learn the lyrics next to my scene. Have we talked about? You know, I know we've mentioned John Favreau, but I mean. This guy's career. Yeah. Let's, talk. Uh, Let's talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this amazing. guy's career has been just yeah incredible when you when you think about it and how he came to L.A. and with, with Vince Vaughn and writing Swingers and mm-hmm. and then you know I you wouldn't expect this guy to necessarily take a directing path, but then he does Made, um, and then uh, I think he did a Jumanji two or he did a. He did one of those. Uh, he did one of those sequels, I believe, and then he did. Uh, I don't think maybe it wasn't called Jumanji Two, but it was. It was the one that took place in space. Oh, Zuthura. Z- Zuthura. Zuthura. I, I think that was supposed oh, to be like that was Zuthura. Jumanji. Well, I think it was supposed to be. Jumanji. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be Jumanji, Jumanji Two. But yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and then you know, this is the guy and that they, he does Elf. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he makes an instant Christmas Christmas classic. And then they give him the reins to Iron Man, which at the time Marvel had no idea what they were going to come out of this. And he resurrects Robert Downey Jr.'s career. And, you know, now what he does with Jungle Book, so, you know, then he does Chef. Then he says, you Chef. know what? Such I, a simple movie, too. I, I, in I, between I, everything. And he did it on purpose. Like yeah. he said, I don't want the constraints of large budget. I want to go back to making... Those I, small films that I was Isn't that ironic thing to say? I don't want to deal with the constraints of a large well, budget. Well, well yeah, I just, like, I just yeah. want to point that no, out. No, it is. Yeah. But I think it came more for like he's just a great filmmaker yeah. and storyteller himself. He just wanted, he wanted to do to another movie for him. Yeah. And that was definitely And that. he takes so much pride in Chef um, and for being able to get that, uh, that launched. And then he does a movie like Jungle Book, a $175 million budgeted production right there. And uh, and again, a lot could rest on his shoulders. Like you know, you don't know if this is going to be another Cinderella, or you know, is this? Not and again, we talked about it. You, now you're up against Warner Brothers, so it's like, hey, right. good luck. Yeah, <laughs> you have to try to make this work. And you know, he just pulls it off, and he does such a great job. Uh, you know, and he's he's turned out to be an amazing storyteller. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I do want to kind of also talk about the editing, right? Because I think it kind of goes hand in hand, um, and it, it just goes to the collaboration, and, and I think ultimately the environment that John <laughs> provided. Um, so Favre writes, uh, it was so nonlinear. You go back and forth. We remade the movie over and over again. Sometimes the editor was asking for a shot, or the cinematographer was suggesting a sequence of cuts for the way the shot is laid out. Um, which is interesting, you know, especially now, just the way everything's so digital, you you can have that literal collaboration. And so it's not uh, that unfeasible by the end of it. Uh, when you've shot, you pretty much have at least the rough cut of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not have all the bells and whistles and certainly not something you can present to an audience, but, okay, you see it. Right. 
you know, and that, that's what I love, especially about this, because it needed to. You like, it's very difficult to like. Okay, what are we shooting here today? And I'm acting against what? Oh, I got to be the first one to set this thing in motion, right. and then yeah. the kind, you know. And so, as we talked about, like the fact that they re-record voices as it, uh, later on once they knew where things were headed, that's part of the process. Yeah, and I enjoy that. In in, in this that collaborative effort really stands true because you do have to like you got to consider well the cinematographer like this is in our digital world cinematographer says well you know i can fix the lighting over here we can make this oh okay that's a great idea and the editor is going to say well to do that i'm going to need this shot and so okay we can fix we can fix it in post (laughs) well it's it's helpful when you have a movie that's like a hundred percent not shot (laughs) in a real place that you can create them because you're not having to go find the location again Uh, absolutely yeah, yeah if this if, if this was the revenant, they'd be screwed. <laughs> we gotta go out to where? <laughs> oh I shoot what? <laughs> we gotta go back. Again? What? <laughs> um, I, what I liked uh, this film for the editing pacing wise is that because you know this is also catered to the young demographic, so you have to have a shorter time span kind of uh, mentality. But like you can segment out this film by yeah. like few minutes of scenes and you you have like Mowgli in the jungle running and then Mowgli here with the elephants you know like it, you can segment it out and still have like really solid scenes individually mm-hmm. and I think that's also great because that just like one after the another and kept the audience attention going yeah and we're looking at a movie that has a, that that's roughly two hours right mm-hmm. I mean this this was close to 120 minutes if not a hundred and twenty minutes pacing I thought was fantastic. You know, I wasn't bored. I, I was yeah. kept, you know, kept watching the screen, seeing what was going to happen suspense next. Suspense was, was great. The Not even just your villain, great. but with, like, in natural orders, like, or with the water buffalo, or all spread throughout, which helps. You said suspense was great, and nothing really says that in the last 20 minutes of this movie. The fight. Or not the fight. Or right. I don't know what you even want to call it, but between Mowgli showdown. and Sherpa, the, the showdown, the trap, the... The way in which that was filmed and paced is as good as any other action sequence. I mean, that, that, that is a set piece. That whole thing was such an elaborate, choreographed set piece with the fire and everything in the trap. And again, Shere Khan, Idris Alba was so scary and intense that you're like, okay, how is this going to end? Uh, you know, is he going to, how is he going to get his comeuppance? And, you know, again, it was very intense, and I felt, this is scary. Like, how is this not PG-13? Mm-hmm. I mean, how is this? Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom was PG, and they got lambasted because somebody pulls a heart out of a guy. <laughs> this movie was extremely intense. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, yeah, again, I was like, going, wow. And, again, I didn't even get captured in the special effects of it all. I got yeah. captured because I cared for Mowgli. And Shere Khan was such, so such an imposing villain. And the music, I, I, the I music. also, I also liked how even at the beginning of the film we had the dead tree, and that foreshadowed what yes. happened at the end. I was like, that was so smart because I didn't mm-hmm. even think, I realized yeah. that. But the music during that during that whole showdown, yeah. like holy crap, because there was really no dialogue. I mean, we got some menacing words from Shere Khan, right. but it was really the music that amped up like the intensity of what that scene was. Yeah, John sure. Debney, so uh, who, who was the composer, you know, he did he did a great job, and, and, and again, 
the the mellow moments. He's worked with Favreau and Iron Man before. Uh, you know, he he really orchestrated. He was able to incorporate bare necessities, and he he guided the audience along in a musical journey, yeah. so that we were prepared. And and especially the the showdown at the end was was fantastic. I also enjoyed when we were talking about various themes. Mm-hmm. You had brought up when we talked about the fire. You know, Mowgli's running through the woods with with the torch and and the sparks causing this fire. You know, and again, that's a that's what Shere Khan, like, he goes, look, the little man-child caused this. And Mowgli's like, well, wait, how did I, and oh. dropped. <laughs> yeah, and Not yeah, yeah you, right. And But you, thematically, it's like, you know, his innocence, he didn't know. He didn't yeah. know what was going on. And to me, that was a really, like, if you're, if you're not with Shere Khan, man, does he have a great point. But then again, you got to look at Mowgli yeah. as like, well, it's and an accident, but this accident can literally cause the lives of all the yeah. of all this Above. ecosystem here. Yeah, you know, I thought that, I thought it was very well thematically going back to fire. I well, agree. one of the things I, I will say, one of the things that I thought could have been added is the fact of like, well, Shere Khan, you're the mastermind behind all of this. Like, you sure. pushed it this way, right? It's, it, it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy at a certain point. Like, if none of them introduced the red fire, this and that, like, it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but. Alas, it be. The, yes. the uh, like showdown scene near the end. Um, like I knew, it, I knew Mowgli would survive and stuff like that. But it was one of those moments where my heart was still like racing so fast. I was still terrified for the kid. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah you put a I kid in the, peril. Yeah. That's another PG thirteen thing. Like. The kid is in peril. <laughs> well, it's only, it's so rated, you're standing by this should be a PG-13 movie. I'm saying no, no, shame I, on the NPA. I, I know it's yeah. PG, but I was going to, um, on my other one, I wrote out exactly. Because now they, they're so specific of, like, one puff of a cigarette. One, right. did, like, they're so, so in, the ratings, what, what, in the ratings now, or you're talking about normally, yeah. it used to just say, like, violence or nudity, or now it's super specific, where it's, like, right. rude humor. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These yeah. are yeah. the right. specific things forever, even in... In These animated films. films, I want to know like what what the what the rating box has to say about Jungle Book, like because <laughs> I bet you it doesn't say probably intense. scary thematic elements. Um, yeah. W- what I liked about the, even the like the the intense showdown was that Shere Khan had a better ending in this film than he did in the yes. animated film because in the animated film he just runs away with the with it his tied tail, to his yeah. tail, but. That left the audience like, oh, Shere Khan never died. He's just he just ran away. And this one, because Shere Khan was so intense and menacing, that and such a great antagonist, that his ending was so satisfactory for an ending of an antagonist. Like yeah. you know, he's dead. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, and it was a, it was a, it was an applause worthy moment. Yeah, it took, for sure. Because it took so long for him to like. For him to fall. Yeah. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, maybe that's a... It sort of it reminded me of Hans Gruber falling off the building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A satisfactory ending for an antagonist. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Any updates, Sarah? Looking through, looking through. We, I'll probably okay. say it. It's the final thought. All right. Um, let's jump to marketing because we've kind of talked about the various marketing aspects. Um, obviously, the, the trailer with the song was a big hit. Um, yeah. One of the things that I wanted to point out, they... Uh, Disney India commissioned a contemporary recording of uh, Jungle Jungle uh, something. I, read that, Marissa. 
Uh, Jungle John Bias Charlie. Hi. There you go. Marissa's better. I'm better with go. numbers. Marissa's better with names. Uh, overseen by the song's composers. Uh, Vishal You Barak just read it. Wajay read the rest. And Goldzara. <laughs> And released it as part of the over, oh, and released it as part of the film's promotional campaign in India. Yeah, so, so yeah, they, composers. They they released the movie in India a little bit earlier. It's kind of part of uh, before it came out here as is part of a celebration because it is obviously that's where it originates yeah. from. Um, so I thought that was nice in terms of what they did. And that's good too because you know it, to get the actual natural origination or mm-hmm. originated place origin of it um i i think it's great for them too because that that is such a big story and culturally for them as well yeah absolutely good for them and uh you were excited for like you knew about this movie since d23 yeah so talk about d23 august d23 expo um in 2015 john favreau ben kingsley uh, and Neil Sethi were all there promoting for the film. And that is when they first released the teaser poster that we all see now, but the, all the audience got a poster of that. And they debuted the full trailer there um, for the first time that mm-hmm. Neil himself didn't had never seen the trailer. Oh. And he, so he saw it for the first time with the audience. And, he, and his, his reaction, <laughs> yeah, his reaction after that, he just went up and he was on the stage and he was like jaw dropped. It was just so cute and so sincere to, you know, see him be as, you know, impressed with this film as the audience was. It was pretty, it was a neat experience. Yeah. Again, I think from marketing, from a marketing standpoint, it's Disney would, it's Disney doing what they can do yeah. best. You know, they, 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 they have the plug-in. They could do their D23. They, the way that they released the teaser, there was a Super Bowl mm-hmm. spot, which gets a lot of eyeballs. And I think the Super Bowl spot as well, really, that's where a lot of people's attention focused on, wow, this movie looks looks special. This movie looks really good. Um, you know, and then, you know, their worldwide marketing um, you know, when you look at what it did, what, it, what it's done worldwide, or when you when you look at what it's done in the foreign territories already, you know, it's it's eclipsed what it's done in the in, in domestic. I mean, domestic we're at approximately, I don't know, 125 million uh, domestic with foreign at 232. So all of your big foreign markets are really really gravitating to this yeah, as well. It's, it truly is a universal story. Um, you know, and and when you open up at at a hundred plus million dollars, uh, we're only projected what tops was seventy five million. Tops was like yeah seventy five wow. maybe eighty. Again, tracking blowing it big time. Um, you know, but it also helps when Rotten Tomatoes gives you a ninety four percent when they release reviews so early. Yeah, and uh, and then A on some of It just helps when you have a good movie. Yeah, it yeah, does. It just helps. <clears throat> It does. You know. Like, you know, it's going to be very funny. Because, well, not funny. It's going to be very interesting to see it in its second week where it has a little bit of competition. Uh, the Huntsman opens up. But I'm just saying we'll from $100 million, we'll see what the drop is going to be. You know, does it stay within, say, 55? You know, everybody talked about the Ballyhoo drop of Superman, uh, you know, Superman 5 Su- Batman or Batman 5 Superman. That's what I call it. Batman, Batman, Superman. No, they, they, they're Justice. calling it Batman V, and I, yeah. I don't go with this. <laughs> but everybody talked about this, the quote-unquote historic drop of a 69% drop. The 
Jungle Book ain't going to have a 69% drop. You know, it's going to be interesting. I think it'll probably some, you know, somewhere... It could be the high 40s to mid 50s on this, but the word of mouth has been spectacular, yeah. mm-hmm. spectacular going into this movie, and you know, I mean, Disney's just on a freaking roll. Like Disney's just Disney's yeah. Disney's <laughs> hardest decision coming up from from a world of distribution is going to be if this movie is still playing strong in two weeks. It's like, well, we're gonna have to make room for Captain America. That's gonna be their juggling act. So we've got to take we got to take Jungle Book off of you know a, a handful of screens, even though it's doing really well, so that we can get Captain America into all these three D screens and everything like that. That's going to be their biggest juggling. That's their biggest problem. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're making too right. much money. Yeah, we're making too <laughs> much money. It's like, we have like, too yeah. many good movies right now. Yeah, like what a problem for a distribution company to have uh, when you're doing this, you know? So. That's that to me. Is Talk, about civil, Talk about civil war. Talk about civil. No. Wow. Yeah. And then you'll go to the parks and you'll see Jungle Book stuff right next to Captain America Civil War stuff. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Absolutely. Crazy crazy. Did you ever find try Kara? Um, well, the most that I've gotten, I don't know if it was actually in the box, but it does say that the MPAA rating is for. PG for some sequences of scary action and peril. Some. <laughs> some. I said scary thematic elements. Full of <laughs> scary action and it peril. Be a warning. Loud sound effects. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the interesting part is we we've kind of talked about this some on some movies, uh, but we don't necessarily get into it too much. Uh, the the fact that the MPAA is very. You hear a lot of times like they're strict and things like that, but you never really like Dimitri's dealt with them. I've dealt with them. I don't think you guys have ever dealt with them. They are... You, you imagine someone just, like, watching a movie and be like, ah, it's kind of like a PG-13 or whatever, <laughs> and just being like, oh, you know, and there's your rating. But yeah. they legit... We have 20 pages worth of notes that we have for this. They'll probably provide 40 pages worth oh of notes. Mm-hmm. Like, no lie. And it'll be yeah. down to the, the, the single most... You'd be like, I don't even remember that in the movie. Yeah. And they're like, it's there at yeah. minute... 14 and 32 seconds and 12 frames in. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I know some people who work at the MPAA and they're they're, they're sweet people, but the MPAA, uh, listen, I mean, it's just it's it's almost extortionist tactics because, well, here, well, you got to hear me out because you don't need to have your film rated. That is a voluntary thing. There's nothing that states if you make a movie, Becca that you have to get your film rated by the MPAA, right? And so you're like, great. Now, try getting that, and again, you could have made a drama, you could have made a romantic comedy, like a non-raunchy romantic comedy. You could have made a family film. Let's just say you made a family film, but you decided you didn't want to go through the rigors of getting it rated by the MPAA. Then it comes to, well, your movie's not rated, Oh, well, your top chains, because it wasn't officially rated, they're not going to play your movie. Even though it's a family film. You could have made a a very innocent family movie. Because you didn't get it rated, chains aren't going to play. They're Mm. just not going to play your movie. So you have to go through the MPAA to get your movie rated. And then you have to go by their, their laws. Now, if you're a Disney or you're a big studio... You could, you know, you could argue various points or you can contribute. You become an MPA member and pay 
But if you're a studio, if you're a smaller studio that's that that might not either be able to afford the fee or want to pay the fee, then you're paying the piper and you have to listen to everything they say. And it's not just the movie, it's how you market the movie. It's they they have everything. their claws on the poster. They look at the trailer. Audio yeah, radio audio, spots, everything. Everything's got to go through the MPAA. And it's supposed to be voluntary. So there's really nothing voluntary about it when you have this gun in your head saying... The only thing that I was like, they, they were like down the street from me. Yeah. That's as good as yeah. it got. Yes. And I could go to the office and that was that. Yeah, and it's it's just a crazy system. Now, they're almost like a, they're almost like a home plate umpire coach. Okay, you just never know what you're going to get. And... If the coach, if that umpire, if that umpire at home plate is at least consistent, you go okay. But if that if that umpire like really is blowing calls and strikes and balls, like in your like that's crazy. And the MPA is the same way; they're not consistent, and you can tell where they give their favoritism to and where they don't, and how hard a studio has to work to 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 make the MPA happy. In getting just an R rating sometimes, just an R rating, and and you're like, wow, that's crazy because, and you can give example, and they love you using example because then they'll just throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's crazy. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's give final thoughts on the Jungle Book, and then we'll wrap it up. Let's start with you, Becca, our uh, guest for today. Well, I was gonna say something else about the promotional uh, like aspects of the film and the trailer. I thought another thing that probably drew more of an audience towards the film was uh, how they had all the names at the end, mm-hmm. like the way they presented all the voice actors' names. It just, like, all these incredible voice actors. Illegitimizes well, actors, all these incredible for actors adults. Next, like, yeah. Yeah. names next to each other. You're like, oh, okay, well, all of these people wanted to be involved. So, obviously, it's going to be good. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Dimitri? Well, again, my final thoughts is I, I really do think that this is a strong, I think it's an excellent movie uh, that, that is deserving of the accolades that it's getting. It's a great collaborative process. And as I said uh, before, come, you know, when we we're getting into December, neither John Favreau nor the special effects department, you know, should be forgotten as far as Oscar, um, yeah. you know, as far as Oscar uh, uh, notice. Because, you know, we are truly seeing some great visual effects here. We've got the rest of the year to go. I understand that. And we'll see some amazing movies like Passengers that's going to redefine special effects, I think. But this movie, in its own sense, just looked beautiful. And we had good direction uh, and some good storytelling. And I think, it's, I think it's great fun. I think it was a very fully realized remake. And that made the animated classic even better. Even, right. even Neil's acting was... Really yeah. good. And Becca, what's your Twitter? Becca B Talks TV. Dimitri. At DMovies1701. Sarah, final thoughts on Twitter? Um, at Sarah underscore Shred. And final thoughts are that this movie did a great job of really presenting itself as a four-quadrant movie, bringing in uh, males, females, all different ages and demographics. I thought that, well, I don't think it's... I would take any little kids to it because <laughs> it is scary it's suspenseful for me it was entertaining paced well looked great and the voice acting was fantastic so yeah. i really did enjoy it right now yeah 
I think it was a beautifully sh- filmed movie. Um, great storytelling to it, and I, I learned more <laughs> out of this film than I did the you know animated version and the book and whatnot. Yeah. So I think they had an amazing feat, and they definitely. Um, accomplish that Mm -hmm. so props to them and I love Disney and I think this is such a strong film for them absolutely I agree with everything that's been said Um, I'm glad we got to discuss it at length hopefully you guys at home enjoyed it I think it's just a fantastic movie and the rewatchability on this is through the roof Um, and if you you know go see it go see it again in the theater if you if you can if you can go time wise and and money wise whatever I think it's really worth it Um, We'll be doing a lot more movies, as you guys know. If this is your first time with Anatomy Movie, thank you guys for joining us. Um, hopefully you come back. You don't have to stay for every single movie we do, but the ones you see, hopefully you come back for. As mentioned throughout, you can get our rundown by clicking the description. In there is a link to download it. It's got uh, a lot of interesting facts, so it, it helps supplement what we talk about and you know some of the facts that you know are just too, would just be basically listing stuff, so wow. you can see it there. All compiled for you. The Popcorn Talk is where you find all of uh, Popcorn Talk stuff. Movie Anatomy is where you find us specifically. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll be doing Barbershop coming up and uh, Huntsman next week. And then uh, we'll definitely be doing Civil War in the coming weeks. And many more movies. So thank you guys for that. Uh, We'll see you next time right here on Anatomy of a Movie. Have a wicked piss a day. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.